chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control Alt Desire, now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24 7, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor. Horns 24 7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, it is National Signing Day. And I don't know, it could just be me, but that five and seven season feels a little further in the rearview mirror. And it feels like there is momentum in the Texas Longhorns football program. How there is. You? Yeah, Chip, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, the five and seven season feels like it was probably over a month ago, and it was just a few weeks ago that Texas wrapped that up. But, you know, uh, Texas obviously did not allow, uh, you know, the struggles that they had on the field this season to really impact their recruiting pitch of what, you know, the coaches can really sell for the future of Texas football. And uh, it definitely paid off on day one of the early signing period. You know, guys still have a few more days until I think Friday that they technically could sign. Um, and Steve Sarkeesian and talking to him today, which is Wednesday, uh, following, you know, the the first influx of signees that came in on early signing day, he kind of hinted that there still may, may be some more on the table. And, uh, you know, as we record this, it's 6.15 p.m. on Wednesday. Texas currently sits with the number five ranked recruiting class in 24-7 sports composite. And if you would have told me that, honestly, at the end of that five and seven season, um, you know, especially during that uh, five game losing streak that Texas had, I probably would have said that you're crazy <laughs> or six game losing streak. I should say <laughs> I would have said you're crazy. I mean, this is it's very, um, you know, I think Texas fans need to take their wins where they can get them. And this is a huge win for Texas today, Chip. Well, and, you know, as that season was unfolding, you thought, man, I wonder if Texas can hold this recruiting class together because it was it was a top 10 class and it had some some nice elements in it but it needed a lot more elements in it and and not only do they end up getting six really talented offensive linemen we've been talking about that that priority that Steve Sarkeesian um, has has put on the offensive line. We knew this was going to be a good defensive line class uh, because those guys, you know, the Jare Bledsoe's and and you know Justice uh, Finkley, um, you know, those guys have been in the mix, and you've been watching these guys, and they've been committed, and it's and it's good, but they end up getting the number one offensive tackle in the country in Kelvin Banks. Um, you know, they end up getting uh, Malik Agbo and Nato Umayizulu, <laughs> which I'm sure I just butchered that name. I was going to uh, say, I think I know, since I have to sit in on the state of recruiting site so edit their podcast, I think it's Nato 
Omeya Zulu. Omeya Zulu. Omeya Zulu. Yeah. That, if I'm butchering that, blame Nick Harris from uh, 24, Airborne's 24-7 because I got the pronunciation from him. <laughs> um, and Cameron Williams, who has like the longest arms of any offensive tackle prospect in the 2022 class, or so it seems. And now you're talking about, you know, six really talented offensive linemen in this class um, with a chance to maybe add Devin Campbell, the nation's best interior offensive lineman, who has indicated he's going to wait till February to sign. Um, but seven uh, really talented offensive linemen. And as Steve Sarkeesian said today, Taylor, in his signing class, if you hit on 500, you know, if you bat 500, if if four of those become impact players, players who can help you, you know, elevate this program and get out of the woods when it comes to offensive line recruiting, because I mean, I'm looking at a list of offensive line classes back to 2016, and it is it's a ghost town. Yeah, it's it's. It's one miss after another. Now, there are some guys in there who, I mean, I look at the 2018 class, you know, Junior Angelau, uh, Reese Moore, Rafiti Gurmai, Mikey Grandy, never played, Christian Jones. So two of the five in that number three ranked recruiting class in 2018 are have been impact players, but I'm not even sure, you know, I think Junior Angelau has been a, a good player. Christian Jones is still developing. Right, um, and Reese Moore is not on the team anymore. Reese Moore is so. not on the team anymore. So, you, you, but you go down that list, it's just one sort of whiff after another. And then last year, one of the best years in offensive line recruiting in the state of Texas, and Texas misses on all their top targets. They hit on all their top targets this year, and they hit on – top targets on the defensive line. And then you get three flips today, including Terrence Brooks, um, you know, a high four-star cornerback from the state of Texas, from Little Elm, who flipped from Ohio State to Texas. Now, when was the last time a kid flipped from Ohio State to Texas? And we can kind of joke that Quinn Ewers is, is part of that <laughs> too now, but but I mean, like on signing day, right? It just seems like you know Baron Browning and you know my Jeffrey gosh, Okuda, Jeffrey and, Okuda, uh, all the parade of Texas players. You know, yeah. um, the running back out of yeah. the Grange. I can't think. Um, I oh, yeah, I was thinking uh, him too. He was the cousin of a uh, of Ch Jamal Charles. What's his name? Oh my gosh. I yeah, so yeah, you know, all those kids, Garrett Wilson, all those kids been going to Ohio State, and today uh Texas gets a huge flip with Terrence Brooks, a top 100 player, uh, has all the measurables you want, and and that's a position that Texas has got to replenish. Right. And and at the safety position with Brian Allen, um, you know, at a time where you've just seeing BJ Foster walk out the door, Chris Adamora, not that Marcus Caldwell was getting any playing time, but you know, half your safety room just walked out the door and Brennan Schooler just graduated. So you've got to bring in impact guys. You've got to bring in guys who can help you 
immediately and and they got a chance. I mean, these guys have a chance to come in and help. Um, you know, Brian Allen is a you know, a kid out of Alito who everyone wanted and and he's coming to Texas and then you you know, there are other positions. I mean, Quinn Ewers for crying out loud, the number one quarterback in the nation, uh, the highest rated recruit since Vince Young, as we've talked about here, they got, they got not only quality impact players, it appears we never know till they hit the right. field, but on paper on signing day, it appears Texas got potential impact players at positions across the board. Yeah. And that, that's, that's, what's key chip, you know, you go back and, you know, I don't want to disregard you know, Tom Herman and his staff's uh, signing classes because they did really well in, you know, signing top 10 classes and what was it, three straight years, 2018 to 2020. Um, however, you know, even I remember even when they were that 2018 class, you know, I remember that class um, coming together and it was like, geez, there's a whole lot of skill players in this class, like the best in the country's type of skill players. But where are the linemen? on both sides, you know, and then that's how it's always been. It's like Texas, you know, and under Tom Herman, they definitely signed some very elite, highly touted, highly, you know, rated recruits. However, it almost seemed like they were kind of like, let's just get as many of the top guys as we can and not really pay attention to position specific, you know, needs. And that was something that Steve Sarkeesian during his, um, his press conference on Wednesday, he talked about, you know, their, their um, evaluation process, everything that goes into it. But the biggest thing was not just signing guys just to sign guys. It was signing, you know, the top tier of the guys that they had on their list, but doing so at positions where they need it most. And that's absolutely the in the trenches. I mean, you know, um, I thought it was really interesting during Steve Sarkeesian's press conference. He was asked about if the 2022 signing classes, you know, kind of are you starting to build the roster to get ready for SEC play whenever Texas does move to the SEC and Steve Sarkeesian, you know, he acknowledged, he's like, you know, I, he thinks that when you win, you need big, big humans, as he likes to call them, uh, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. But he did bring that up. He did say, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a physical brand of football that's played in the SEC and you got to start building your roster to be prepared for that. And he and Kyle Flood and Jeff Banks and a lot of these guys, even Blake Gidding, you know, being at Ole Miss last season, there's a lot of these guys who have coached for SEC programs and they understand the importance to have those guys in the trenches. And there's no denying, in my opinion, Chip, you know, looking at this class, and it's it's easy to say this on signing day, you know, who knows who's going to, you know, develop into their potential, who may not. That's been one of the issues with Texas. But in looking at this class today, you know, December 15th on the day one of early signing period, I think that they're really, Texas could not have done a better job. I mean, there's obviously guys that, they may have missed on. But when you look at the overall picture of this 2022 signing class, even before we really get into the portal talk, you know, uh, Texas is not only doing really well, but I think that they absolutely just, you know, won the day for sure. Um, and they really added some difference makers at positions where they absolutely need it. And now it's going to be interesting after the early signing period ends to see where they go in the portal because, you know, Texas, they still have potentially the opportunity to add more players. Steve Sarkeesian mentioned that they could, 
you know, next year have up to 35 new scholarship players because of different, you know, NCAA recruiting rules with the transfer portal, all of that. Um, and the ability to add more bodies there, depending on who you lose to the portal, whatnot. So while like we're sitting here saying that this is a, a huge get for Texas, a huge haul by Texas and, you know, getting those type of guys, the, the elite guys at positions of need, that's really could potentially be only the beginning of what's to come. Um, but, you know, because really right now, you know, Texas, they went after Quinn Ewers. Obviously, that was a huge priority in the transfer portal, but they wanted to secure the staff wanted to secure some of their top, you know, guys on um, from the high school ranks. And then they were really going to hit the portal stuff hard. So um, while this is awesome, I still think that or this is an awesome day for Texas fans. This is a, a you know monster class, honestly, for Steve Sarkeesian, especially coming off of that five and seven season. But I really don't think it's done. And Texas could, um, you know, not only add some additional difference makers potentially at the high school level, but those transfer portal players who uh, could be, you know, ready to go a lot sooner than some of the guys coming out of high school. Yeah, I mean. And it doesn't hurt to have a pancake factory pop up in your neighborhood. You know, I mean, two of the unsung here, well, six, there are six, um, you know, board members, uh, Rob Blair, um, we know, and um, Rick Vasquez, uh, we know they did the burnt ends NIL initiative. Um, we talked to Cade Brewer last week. Everybody needs to check out that interview on the flagship podcast interview because he takes you inside the, the, you know, right down to the payment plan of the burn ends NIL initiative. Well, then Rob Blair and Rick Vasquez announced the pancake factory where every scholarship offensive lineman, I think it was announced on December 5th, 10 days before signing day every scholarship offensive lineman up to 14 dollars worth are going to get paid $50,000 annually. And lo and behold, Texas has six of the best offensive line recruits in the country, possibly uh, Devin Campbell joining that group. You'd have seven. And, and this is an area where Texas is, is, sorely lacking. And obviously, look, Steve Sarkeesian said that the NIL is real. And he's like, I don't know when these NIL initiatives are going to pop up. And when they do, sometimes the money seems like that can't be real, but it is real. Mm -hmm. And he's like, if players can, you know, profit off of their name, image and likeness, and it doesn't impact their studies or their, you know, their ability to play on the field, then I'm all for it. Well, heck yeah. Because, you know, who knows, who knows what impact, but it certainly had to have some Taylor and that's, but that's what Texas fans have wanted. They, they were worried at first that, 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 you know, Texas was going to fall behind in NIL. Then they realized, oh, we're the answer. We, the supporters of the program, the donors who want to put money together, we are the answer. And, you know, thanks to efforts like, you know, those being done by Rick Vasquez, Rob Blair, uh, Nick Shuley with the Clarkfield Collective. Um, Texas appears to be sort of on the cutting edge of, of these NIL initiatives. And they have six signatures on letters of intent from some of the best offensive linemen in the country to prove it. Right. 
Yeah. And, and that's, you know, Chip, I know that there are a lot of opposing fan bases, especially right now that are, I mean, you know, we're tagged in all of the um, commitment tweets and all of that and signing tweets of some of these offensive linemen. So you see, you know, if you look at our Twitter mentions, you'll see some of the comments and pretty much every comment, anytime that Texas since essentially this, um, the uh, Horns with Heart NIL initiative with Pancake Factory was launched, everything from opposing fan bases is about, oh, you you know, I bet, I bet there's 50,000 reasons why you want to go play football at Texas. But I think, you know, and, and I get that. Like, it does seem kind of weird that this is where we are. The people that they need to be mad at is the NCAA because the NCAA just was like, wash their hands. Like, no, I'm, you know, we're not going to. We're not going to regulate this, except for if, as long as it doesn't come from the schools. You know, if you want to complain about the current state of the name, image, and likeness earning potential for, um, you know, college athletes, especially at, with what Texas is doing right now, you got to point the finger at the NCAA. But Steve Sarkeesian brought this up today. He's like, you know, I mean, at a place like the University of Texas, with the the size of the alumni base, the amount of, uh, you know, really high at money type of donors um, and boosters that the Longhorns do have the, you know, the network of, um, of companies and business owners that are alumni. It's like, if you're at a place like Texas, you know, there obviously are going to be more NIL opportunities available to players. And as you mentioned, you know, he said that as long as it doesn't take away from what they need to be doing on the field and in the classroom, you would, he didn't say this word for word, but essentially he was hinting at you'd kind of be foolish not to take advantage of this right now because the NCAA hasn't regulated it. And, you know, him talking about he doesn't know where the NIL future is headed, what's going to happen down the line, a.k.a. if it's ever going to be regulated. But I feel like right now, if you are at a program, you know, of the size of Texas with the donor base and the alumni base of a place like Texas and you're not coming up with these types of initiatives, you can quickly fall behind, in, uh, especially in recruiting. I know that the coaches can't really sell recruits on, oh, hey, if you sign with us, you'll make $50,000, but, you know, day, or come August, at the beginning of August of 2022, but you know what they can do? Be like, oh, yeah, look at this initiative just, just started. I mean, there's, there's really just, it's all kind of a gray area, I feel like, right now, and Texas is benefiting from that in a big way, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of Texas fans and fans in general of, of sports, college sports, I should say, like to bash the NCAA. But if you're a Texas fan right now, you need to be like, thank you, NCAA, for not paying attention to or regulating this and just kind of washing your hands of the name, image, and likeness earning potential. Because as you've seen, it obviously is going to pay off. I mean, this isn't just, as you mentioned, you know, it's $50,000 annually. So if these offensive linemen, redshirt, and then they're on campus for four years. That's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to, you know, plus you know their their school and tuition and room and board and getting stipends and all of that coming in their scholarship money. I mean, that's difference making money, especially for you know eighteen to twenty two year olds. So there's no denying that Texas is an easy selling point. I think for Texas, and uh, they they definitely have benefited and you know taken the bull by the horns in a way and kind of ran with it with uh, some of these initiatives that have come up lately. And it sounds like there may be some more coming too. Yeah. I mean, it's um, with the Clark field collective. Um, we don't even really know. They have a $10 million base to start with um, $10 million Taylor. And we don't even know how they're going to spend it. They're, they're trying to help all sports. 
and you know they have TJ Ford working with basketball, Kenny Vaccaro working with football, Julianne Fossett Johnson working with volleyball. They're looking for baseball and and every other sport to help uh, figure out how best to help um, Texas student athletes in those sports benefit from NIL opportunities. But it's this is what I always say: Nick Saban lives in the gray. You know, when the NCAA approved a strength coach for every position or unlimited strength coaches, excuse me, he hired a strength coach for every position group on his team at Alabama. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the NCAA was like, "Uh oh, uh, we didn't really mean that because basically he hired a coach for each of those positions to work with guys all through the offseason. So then they capped it at three and and said you can have unlimited analysts. Well, Nick Saban has, you know, hired the former coaches association as his analyst group <laughs> and, and goes until the NCA says no. And that's where you have to live. I mean, Gary Patterson talked about it. You have to live in the gray and, and Texas is finally living in the gray and by God, if you're going to try and compete in the sec, you better have uh, a lot of real estate in the gray until the NCA tells you no. So, um, and we should mention if you've been reading um, and following along at Horns 24 uh, seven, the insider last week was all about these NIL initiatives and the fact that they have been working with UT compliance to make sure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed and the contracts are uh, legit. And, and so here we are. But what an amazing signing day, Taylor, because, you know, it's 20 years ago that Texas signed the transformative 2002 recruiting class that had Vince Young and Casey Studdard and Lyle Senline, Justin Blaylock, Brian Robinson, Rod Wright, Aaron Ross, you know, arguably the greatest recruiting class in Texas football history. And that class would change the program, go on to win a national championship laid the groundwork for more recruits to come for a decade of dominance on, you know, with Colt McCoy and Earl Thomas and the list goes on and on. And it takes not only one of these classes like were signed today by Texas, but it takes stacking them. And what we heard from Steve Sarkeesian today is that he's got the staff to recruit. Jeff Banks, we know is a recruiting monster. Nick Saban was furious when he lost Jeff Banks from the Alabama staff. Um, you heard Steve Sarkeesian give credit to, to Terry Joseph in the, in the work that he put in to, to flip, you know, Terrence Brooks and Xavion Bryce. And, um, you know, and so it's, it, you gotta have relentless recruiters and Sarkeesian said, you know, in flipping Terrence Brooks, Xavion Bryce, Ethan Burke, we just don't stop recruiting. And we don't burn bridges. We don't get in our feelings. When Quinn Ewers turns us down to go to Ohio State, we we wish him well. We don't we don't pout and get in our feelings and put out some stupid tweet that burns a bridge in recruiting. You know, you try to be, you know, respectful and cheer him on. And then if there's a chance to rekindle that conversation as as there was in the Quinn Ewers recruitment, then you just try to be open and honest. And, and that's what Steve Sarkeesian said. And here he is with uh, not only Quinn Ewers, but Malik Murphy, who's got 
one of the biggest arms in this 2022 quarterback class and is a bit of a raw product, but wow. I mean, that's what they said about Lamar Jackson and, you know, not that they're similar, they're not, but, um, you know, if, if Steve Sarkeesian, who's helped develop Carson Palmer and Eric, uh, you know, Matt Castle and Matt Leinert and, you know, the list goes on, Mac Jones, Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Hurts, well, then he said, these quarterbacks pay attention to that stuff. This is what they aspire and and have, um, you know, hopes of doing. So it's, it's, it's a good day to be a Texas Longhorn today. Yeah, and doing, you know, and, and Steve Sarkeesian talking about them being relentless recruiters, they never stop recruiting. I mean, especially now with the transfer portal, you have to make sure that you're not burning bridges. I mean, I, I kind of go back, Chip, and I'm not trying to bash Tom Herman too much, but I go back to Jordan Elliott, you know, who was committed to Tom Herman at Houston prior to him taking the Texas job. And, you know, he's on uh, campus at Texas and he ends up transferring to Mizzou. Well, everything we heard from behind the scenes was because big reason why he transferred was because Tom Herman came in and essentially berated him for decommitting from Houston, even though he was on the roster then. I mean, and so the fact that, you know, if you're there's there's more things, obviously, that Chip and I and our, our staff at Horns 24-7 knew that have gone on behind the scenes with various staffs that have been at Texas. And there's been quite a few in the last 10 years, obviously. So we could all probably write, you know, 18 novels probably on what goes on behind the scenes at Texas for the last decade. But this is a huge, you know, change of pace, I would say, from the head coach, because we did know that there were burn bridges in the past that ended up hurting Texas with, you know, not just um, in recruiting, but also keeping guys on the roster that were at Texas and had signed with Texas. And this is a this is a different ball game, you know, and I know that probably sounds weird because Texas has had a number of players enter the transfer portal, but that was not unintentional. You know, these are I think the players that entered the transfer portal essentially were told by Steve Sarkeesian what the writing on the wall was. And maybe it said it's not, you know, Texas is not the place for them or they should, you know, test the waters elsewhere. So it's just it's a really interesting change of pace, Chip. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of things to you know, be a little um, question question right now, I guess, with Steve Sarkeesian and the staff because of, you know, the outcome of year one of this coaching staff um, leading at Texas. But if this amount of recruiting, you know, what, what they've been able to do coming off that season, the five and seven season where they're not going to a bowl game, if they're able to land these type of recruits, they've already shown their ability to develop their guys at other stops you know, as long as they had the players to develop. And that goes, you know, across a lot of these guys. I shouldn't say all of them because um, I think there's still that some that are, you know, green in their coaching careers. But you look at, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, what he did at every single stop at the quarterback position. You look at Jeff Banks, you know, he's highly regarded as the best special teams um, coordinator in the country. And he's a great, you know, tight ends coach. He's a great recruiter. You look at Kyle Flood. He was able to develop so many offensive linemen at Alabama, um, I mean, the list goes on. And so I think that this is a huge step in the right direction for Texas. And if you're a Texas fan right now, you got to, you know, have a little bit of patience, I think, to let these guys have some time to develop their guys. But if uh, they're able to develop these type of players, 
um, like they were at other programs and they're able to recruit this way. That is how you build the momentum and you stack the classes year after year that ends up leading to what you mentioned, you know, that 2002 class being the start of, you know, a decade of dominance at Texas football. If they can, you know, kind of take that path, I'm not saying that they're going to win a national championship or anything next year like that, but if they can follow along that path and continue to stack these recruiting classes, that's how you change the trajectory of a football program. And that's something, you know, that Texas has struggled to do. And I think a lot of it was, you know, not necessarily recruiting the guys at positions of need, just trying to get the best, you know, rated ranked uh, signing class. And that, that goes back to Mac Brown, honestly, I think, but looking at, you know, rankings more so than anything else um, over position of need. So this is a change of pace for Texas football and Texas football recruiting. But it's a, I think if you're a Longhorn fan, it's a much welcome change of pace for, um, you know, as opposed to what's going on for the last 10 years. Yeah. And I thought one of the the key comments from Steve Sarkeesian on signing day was the fact that he said, we didn't just go for rankings. We went for fit. Mm-hmm. We, we brought in players who he said, you have to have three criteria. You have to be an innate competitor. You have to want to compete at all times um you know he talked about having that um that responsibility um to you know being a good teammate and 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 if these kids on this in this signing class are more about the fit and the fire that they found then let's go because i you know you and i've joked if if Steve Sarkeesian recruits are going to mirror Xavier worthy, then let's get on with it. And right. so, you know, here he is, he, he brings in Brennan Thompson. He talks about Brennan Thompson, who's a speed receiver along the lines of, you know, built similar to Xavier worthy um, and how he went on his first in-home visit to, to Brennan Thompson and Spearman. And he, basically met the whole town in like a three to four hour period. Cause it's a small town. And, um, and, and so, you know, if, if that's what we're talking about here, then I can't wait to see how these kids develop because, um, you know, you hear about NATO, uh, NATO, you move Zulu. Umeo um, Zulu. How am I doing? I believe. <laughs> and how hey, nasty. I literally he is. have a pronunciation thing here. Oh, you can't see it on here, but I have it on my paper here. <laughs> trying to spell it out. You know, <laughs> I'm just gonna call him NATO. Yeah, NATO. <laughs> you hear how nasty NATO is, how nasty Agbo is, how how massive Cameron Williams is, the the six seven, three hundred and sixty pound tackle with the maybe the longest arms in the you know 2022 offensive line class and if these are the personality competitive fire fits of of this coaching staff and not just the recruiting rankings because Mac did fall prey to recruiting the rankings I mean we can go back to Tyrone Swoops and how he was once a five star and Mac Brown said, if I don't take, you know, Tyrone swoops, I'm going to get run out of town. And neither Brian Harson nor 
Major Applewhite wanted Tyrone Swoops as a or quarterback. Or either. <laughs> in Akina, they would have taken him as a tight end, which he ended up being and, and went to the NFL as a tight end. Anyway, if if these coaches have pinpointed that kind of competitive fire and talent and um, measurables, then this is this is incredibly exciting. And, and maybe it will be a historic uh, recruiting class because, as you said, there have been highly ranked top three classes for Texas in the last five years, but they haven't had the, the guys up front. They haven't had the big guys on the offensive and defensive lines. They've been heavy in the defensive backfield or, or at the skill positions. Um, and even some of those skill positions haven't worked out, especially at receiver. And so this is exciting. And I think that, uh, look, we won't know for two to three to five years how, how well uh, this class is going to turn out. There's been a lot of attrition. Hell, Chris Del Conte talked about the attrition in, in his 40 Acres Insider, uh, you know, when kind of defending the five and seven season near the end of the season that made a lot of Texas fans mad. But the bottom line is there has been a lot of attrition. It's true. Yeah. It may make you mad, but it's true. I mean, the proof of the puddings and the eating and there you go. That's where and, it is. And the talk was he's, he needs to bring in his own players. He needs to bring in his own players. Well, this is a hell of a first step. <laughs> yeah. And bring yeah, in no your doubt. own players. Yeah. No doubt about it. I mean, the old adage is, you know, you win and lose games in the trenches. And and that's that's true regardless of the level of football. Um, I mean, even like go back to even, you know, when Johnny Menzel was at Texas A&M, if he had an even capable defensive line or defense, I mean, that A&M team would have been really, I mean, better than it already was. But, you know, I mean, that that's the reality of it. You have to, you can only do so much with skill players, especially at, you know, big dog college football, you know, power five conferences. And if Texas is going to be moving to the SEC anywhere from the next, what, two to four years, I guess it would be at this point, then this is the, this is what you got to start getting used to. Now, you know, I still think that Texas does need to add some more receivers um, to the roster. Uh, it'll be interesting, I think, to see if they go in the portal for that, um, because I do think that they need some more depth at that position. However, you they've got to start with depth on the defensive line and the offensive line, which is exactly what they did. And, uh, you know, then kind of let it go from there. I mean, think about think about if Texas had even a, you know, a, 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 uh, I don't want to say mediocre because that sounds bad, but even a, a decent offensive line this season, it would be a different game. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about Texas being at home for a bowl game or Texas having a five and seven season, we would be talking about probably the signing class plus leading into a bowl game of what who Texas is facing. But that the reality is Texas didn't have that on the offensive line. And that's so that just show goes to show how crucial that position and defensive line too um, really is in college football. And this is a definitely a step in the right direction for Texas. Yeah. And it's not, it's not all great news. Um, you know, we talked about Kobe McKenzie flipping from from uh, Oklahoma to Texas. Well, he ends up signing with Oklahoma. He gets he gets re-recruited back to OU by Brent Venables, and um, and Texas, uh, you know, didn't end up with Armani Wingfield, and and so that gets to your question about the the depth at 
receiver and where do they go uh, in terms of the portal to bring in talent. Um, and Stan Drayton um, is leaving to uh, become the head coach at Temple, which is, as Steve Sarkeesian said, great for um, for Stan Drayton. But Drayton's done a, a great job of bringing in talented running backs, developing running backs um, in the recruitment of, of Bijan Robinson, the, the development of Roshan Johnson, Jonathan Brooks is a player. And, and so, you know, they'll have to find a new running backs coach, but congratulations to Stan Drayton. I, a lot of people didn't see that one coming, but the athletic director at Temple's Arthur Johnson, who just spent the last seven years at Texas, um, you know, as a, a senior associate athletic director uh, in charge of facilities and operations, Steve Patterson promoted him from, you know, being basically, um, you know, the chief of staff for football. Um, and now Arthur is the AD at Temple. He lets go of Rod Carey. He's bringing in Stan Drayton and, and that's a great opportunity for him. And Steve Sarkeesian said, we'll go, you know, it gives us an opportunity to go bring in another uh, great addition to the staff. So uh, they will have some, some, you know, work to do there and, and they need to, you know, get some help at linebacker. And, and so, you know, that will be interesting because, um, you know, I know people aren't talking much about, um, you know, uh, the linebackers in this class, uh, but Travell Johnson, the thing that um, out of Arlington Martin, the thing I'm told the coaches love about him is that he is as physical as you will find that he will, he just is all about contact and is violent. And so, you know, one of those three criteria that I was mentioning that I failed to mention earlier is football IQ. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let's see it. You know, that's a critical position for Texas to improve. Um, it's physicality, it's athleticism, it's football IQ. And, and so let's see, um, you know, what Texas can, can bring, uh, or get out of, uh, Travell Johnson. And then obviously they're going to need to, uh, add some, some help at linebacker in the portal. And that's, what's amazing. I mean, we were talking about Sarkeesian mentioning 33, up to 33 new members of the roster. Now it's 36 or 37 Taylor. I know it's crazy. I mean, this, the transfer portal, you know, era of college football has totally changed, but I think, you know, depending on who's on what side of it, I think it's changed in a good way from the players, you know, being able to not have to um, sit out a year immediately, or, you know, if you transfer. Um, however, obviously, you know, this couldn't work out for some players, but I think that linebacker is probably a key position where you may want to get a little bit more experience um, added to the roster. I mean, obviously, Texas does have DeMarvey and Overshone, um, you know, returning, which I think is a big addition, not just for Texas. I think that was a very smart move for Overshone as well. I think he could really benefit from another year uh, playing at that linebacker position after we moved to the position in 2020. I also think he could really benefit from a, a healthy offseason in the strength and conditioning program. I think he could probably uh, afford to add a little bit of bulk and mass to his, his frame there. But, you know, I think that 
it's going to be interesting to see who Texas does target in the transfer portal. Um, but I think linebackers, you know, obviously one that it doesn't hurt you to get a guy that already has collegiate experience at that position since a lot of times, you know, that middle of the defense is supposed to be quote unquote, the quarterback of the defense. And um, with DeMarvin Overshone only having one year of eligibility left, Texas definitely needs to at least start building depth for the future. Um, but I think that could potentially present itself in the transfer portal. I don't necessarily think at this point, as of December 15th, I'm saying <laughs> that it's a, it's a huge um, concern right now for Texas. I think that they could, you know, see um, some guys in the transfer portal head their way, similar to, you know, how I know it's a little bit different, but you know how Ovia Gofu and Ray Thornton and Ben Davis, you know, came in at that edge position that Texas really needed to add depth to. You've already seen the coaches being able to work the transfer portal and get guys that see the field, you know, not just add bodies to add bodies. They, you know, all of those guys contributed when they were healthy, mainly. I know Ben Davis didn't contribute too much because he had that lingering foot injury. Um, however, you know, they did contribute. So the staff already has proven that they can get transfer portal guys, get them ready and get them on the field. So um, I think linebacker wide receiver are going to be some to watch there. Um, but there's definitely no shortage, even though it's a signing day, Chip, there's still a lot, I think, of excitement to come if you're a Texas fan. So you definitely want to make sure you're over at Horns 24-7. Uh, make sure you sign up for an annual membership. You'll get 30% off your first year of Texas Scoop. And uh, you'll also get the ability to read all other message boards, all other VIP content across the 24-7 sports network, which is a huge perk that I know a lot of competitive, uh, competing media sites do not offer. So that's a big advantage that 24-7 has. So make sure you go sign up for an annual membership and keep up on this madness because this is one of the craziest uh, signing periods I think I've covered at least since the the early signing period debuted, I think in uh, 2017, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. And And before we get to love it or leave it, I'll just leave this here. Um, Gary Patterson, the former... Uh, TCU coach who's had a lot of opportunity uh, since being let go at TCU. Uh, there's still a chance that something develops with uh, Gary Patterson in Texas. We are following that closely. We reported earlier in the week that um, Gary Patterson and Steve Sarkeesian, the defensive coaching staff, are expected to meet. Um, you know, in the next couple of days. So uh, something could develop there. It might not, but I think there's a good chance something could develop. And so uh, get over to Horns 24-7 and make sure you're you're locked in and, uh, and getting all the latest on everything. And Texas basketball, for crying out loud. Um, heck, I'll be in Vegas this weekend uh, covering the Texas men and women in that Pac-12 coast-to-coast challenge. Uh, the Texas men taking on with Dylan DeZue uh, back finally uh, from that knee surgery that he had after injuring that knee at Vanderbilt last year as the SEC's leading rebounder. Uh, he is playing. He played for Texas in that win over Arkansas Pine Bluff this week. So uh, get over to Horns 24-7. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am Chip. Before we get to love it or leave it, we are going to take a really quick break, but you'll want to stay tuned because we will continue to talk the 2022 signing class that Texas put together during the early signing period. So stay tuned. We will be right back. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Chip, you ready for some Love It or Leave It? Let's go. What a signing day. Let's go. All right. Our signing day special. My first one for you is... Love it or leave it, it's always good to have a pancake factory at your disposal come signing day. Yeah, I mean, I think every Texas fan needs to send a Christmas card to uh, to Rob Blair and Rick Vasquez and the other four unnamed board members of Horns with Heart for starting the pancake factory. Uh, it is brilliant brilliantly constructed as a 501c3 um so that money um you know paid to the student athletes will be for the charitable work that those student athletes do whether it's you know they've mentioned habitat for humanity projects uh whether it's you know championing a cause in their hometowns um and you know it's 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 feels it's a feel good right i yeah. mean you're paying kids fifty thousand dollars to use their name image and likeness for charitable causes i mean there are a lot worse things uh that kids get paid for i mean the the running joke is that someone just leaves a duffel bag full of cash you know with on your doorstep and 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 then you just go the bonkers. running joke or the reality <laughs> just get <kidding. laughs> you know these guys are are trying to pay these kids when they're not getting a scholarship stipend as again if you watch our interview with Cade Brewer he talks about this that you know the months where you don't get a scholarship stipend tend to be you know during the summer months and and so these guys are trying to to help these kids uh get paid all year long uh because of the NIL opportunities. So yes, with six, maybe seven, if Devin Campbell comes around in February, uh, Devin Campbell, the, the top interior lineman in the country, um, this would be an amazing recruiting hall and Texas fans should be sending a Christmas card to horns with heart uh, for starting this pancake factory. So yes, I'm going to love this. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I mean, there's no question you you have to love this if you're a Texas fan, especially um, if you are not a Texas fan, I imagine you hate this, you know, but um, again, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying earlier in the show, Chip, right now, essentially, if you're not taking advantage of the NCAA, really not having um, very much guidance or direction for the you know, ability to profit off of your name, image, and likeness. And you're, you have the possibility of getting left in the dust and, um, with how quickly, you know, recruiting moves and with the transfer portal and not having to sit out a year, if you transfer all of these things that have, you know, kind of lined up, you need to be ahead of the game. I think right now, when it comes to the NIL, um, earning potential and, and using that to, you know, quote unquote, sell it. I know it sounds bad in recruiting and to potential recruits by having the information out there of these NIL initiatives, like, like the horns with heart and, uh, 
you know, the pancake factory and everything. And obviously it paid off. I mean, was it coincidental timing? I don't know. Steve Sarkeesian was asked about that today. If he knew that that initiative was coming out, um, you know, right before they signed this monster offensive line haul that they got on that day one, early signing period. And he said that he, he basically kind of played not dumb or anything, but, you know, said like, Oh, I, I didn't know much about it. I don't know much about NIL. And then he just kind of went on to that. You know, I mean, this obviously benefited Texas in a huge, huge way. And so, yeah, there's no question that it's good good to have a pancake factory um, at your disposal if you are, uh, especially when you are approaching the signing periods, because it clearly paid off for the first one for Texas. Because before the pancake factory was announced, they had commitments from Cole Hudson and Connor Robertson. Yes. A four-star and a three-star. Right. And now they have a signature from the number one offensive tackle in the nation. Uh, my man Cameron Williams, who, again, may have the longest arms of any offensive lineman in the 2022 class. And two nasties in, in NATO and Agbo. Yeah. Christmas hey, card to horns with heart, kids. <laughs> All right, no, love it or leave it number it. love it or leave it number two. All right, my second one for you is love it or leave it. The best surprise of National Signing Day was top 100 four-star cornerback Tenants or Terrence, excuse me, Terrence Brooks flipping from Ohio State to Texas. You know what? I'm gonna love this because it's Ohio State. Now, look, Xavion Bryce flipped from Oklahoma to Texas. That always works for Texas fans. Um, but Terrence Brooks is, I mean, he is a high four-star player. He's, I think he's the, I'm not, I know he's a top 100 player, but it's Ohio State that Texas is finally, you know, pulling one of their own back from leaving the state and going to, uh, you know, Ohio state's been pulling kids out of Texas for years under urban Meyer and then even under Ryan day. Um, and so, you know, this to me, and again, Texas has got to reload at corner because you lose, uh, Josh Thompson, who could have come back, didn't. They are going to have Deshaun Jameson back. Uh, but then you've got some younger guys who are still proving themselves, like Jade Barron and, and Keaton Crawford. You lose Darian Dunn. Um, they need impact guys at corner and safety. And Terrence Brooks, come on down. I'm going to love this, Taylor. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I think you have to love it. Um, I mean, this was, in my opinion, the biggest flip of the day. Obviously, Texas adding Malik Ogbo was a, a huge addition, you know, later in the day. And you don't want to overlook that. But, I mean, you're right. I think the fact that when you look at how successful Ohio State has been at poaching some of the top talent in the state of Texas away from, you know, state schools and schools inside the state lines, then – I think that you have to think of this as a win. And by the way, I did remember who the other one we were, the Ohio State uh, running back that we were trying to remember. J.K. Dobbins is the one. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, when you said Ohio State just uh, in your answer, it clicked. I was like, oh, that's right. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you you look at the history of how how well Ohio State has um, really recruited the state of Texas. And I think a lot of that had to do with, you know, Texas, especially, you know, falling behind um, both in recruiting and on the field. It really opened up the floodgates for other out-of-state programs to come in and poach some of the best talents. They had more to sell. And the fact that Texas not only added Terrence Brooks, flipped him on uh, day one of the early signing period, but they also have the, you know, the nation's highest rated quarterback prospect coming out of high school since Vince Young and Quinn Ewers that they also poached away from Ohio State. Yeah, I think that anytime that if you're in this, this probably sounds weird because it's not like a rival school or anything like that. But I feel like anytime if you are a school who is in a recruiting hotbed, you know, like Texas, like the state of Texas is, and you've been constantly on the losing end of the situation with other out-of-state programs coming in and getting the best players to sign with them instead of with their hometown or home state school, you know, any type of win you can get against those programs is huge. And Ohio State's been one of the biggest ones. I mean, Alabama's been up there too, but Ohio State has been consistently successful um, for the last two head coaches there <laughs> of getting some of the top talent in Texas to go to Columbus. So yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that this is a, a really big surprise for Texas fans. Again, I think, you know, the addition of Malik Ogbo was a really good one too. And, and, you know, Calvin Banks leading up to signing day, but if we're talking about today, I think this was, this is a, one of the wins that Texas fans should definitely celebrate as a, one of the best surprises. So I'm going to love it too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to love yes. today. If you're a Texas fan. All right. Love it or leave it. Number three. All right, my final one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. The 2022 signing class will end up going down as the best recruiting class at Texas since 2002. Okay, I'm going to slow down here. <laughs> I'm going to leave this out of respect to everyone in that 2002 class, um, which had a special chemistry in part because they followed a couple of really high-profile recruiting classes with some – kind of me guys at the skill positions and they came in and said, we're getting rid of that. We're going to, we're going to make it about the team. And uh, they were a special group. You're, you know, you've got this great recruiting class, but we don't know if this class is going to bond like that 2002 class. We don't know if Quinn Ewers is going to end up being, you know, Vince Young 2.0. So I'm going to leave this, but man, I'd love to come back in three or four years and say, this was the best recruiting class since 2002, Taylor. Um, I can't go there yet, so I'm going to leave it, but man, maybe it's got a chance. How about you? It's really hard, I think, for me to love it right now just because I feel like Texas has ha has signed some really, you know, top tier signing classes over the last several years and they just didn't pan out. So I think that the jaded journalist side of me that is, you know, for every year, the best season I have covered at Texas was that Sugar Bowl season in the 2018 season. Um, you know, I think that the jaded side of me wants to be like tap the brakes too. Uh, however, I don't really, I don't know if I can point to a signing class at this point in, you know, since 2002, that would surpass it, Chip. I mean, you have to think that that's the biggest thing is like, 
on paper right now, there's no question that I think this is the best recruiting class at Texas since 2002. When you look at every single position, you know, they still have some needs to to address and they have, you know, a few months to get those those situations ironed out. So it's not done yet. But I think that it's really difficult for me to look back at any other signing class that Texas has had since that 2002 class and say that this that it goes toe to toe or surpasses the potential of this one personally. So, um, you know, I, I was always obviously it was always a huge deal. The the 2018 signing class that Tom Herman got had some of the best skill players in the country, some of the best, you know, probably the best defensive back overhaul in um, modern day recruiting. I think that's fair to say that Texas did get that. Uh, however, I was always very hesitant to anoint those classes as being like far, you know, elite classes or even on the same level as say a 2002 uh, signing class that Texas had because they lacked some really monster pieces. And I'm not using that as hyperbole and, you know, they didn't have the alignment to <laughs> really match it. But still, I mean, they, they were missing some some crucial pieces to the puzzle. And obviously they didn't pan out the way that I think a lot of people expected. So I, I'm kind of torn. I, I kind of want to love it, but I don't want to say that I think that this class is going to surpass the 2002 class at the end of the day. I think that um, if we're talking about this is the best recruiting class since, I don't really have much um, to go off of to deny that being the case at this point. And obviously time will tell. We'll see if these guys stick around with Transfer Portal. You never know who will be here even you know, come the start of the season. <laughs> I mean, my goodness, with how crazy the Wild Wild West Transfer Portal really is. But right now, I'm going to say, I think I'm going to have to say that I'm going to love this and say this is the best signing class that Texas has landed since the 2002, not over the 2002. Since the 2002, there's hard, it's too hard for me to really deny that this one surpasses Texas and checks way more boxes off for Texas as opposed to some of their other elite, you know, recruiting halls they've had in, in other years. Well, the fact that we're even having this conversation should uh, excite Texas fans uh, to the nth degree. And and so. And that we're talking about big men. I, I freaking I mean, I love big men like big men touchdowns are my favorite things in all of sports, like literally my favorite. So. I'm excited if I'm, you know, I'm not even a Texas fan. Obviously, it's my job to cover Texas. Our jobs are easier if they're good. I haven't seen very many good years in my career covering Texas. But I think you have to be excited about this haul, Chip. I mean, my goodness, big men get it done. And Texas added quite a few and still have some on the table. Yeah. And Kyle Flood with his pedigree, having coached in the NFL, having helped develop the monsters at Alabama that won a national championship last year. Um, you know, this is the time for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood and Jeff Banks to cash in on their, their pedigree at Alabama. I mean, if you're, if you weren't going to convince the kids in state who watched last year's national championship and know what, uh, an offense with talent can look like, you might not have gotten it going. So this was essential. And, uh, and as we talk about the sec, Texas has to start stacking classes like this. Look at a and I mean, A&M's trying to stack, um, you know, top 
five classes one after the other, and they beat Alabama this year, but they still went what eight and four. Mm-hmm. I mean, you to compete in the SEC, you've got to stack classes like this every year, and obviously, you're not going to have a year where you can bring in 36 or 37 players. That's another reason why this year was so critical. So um, kudos to Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff for uh, a phenomenal signing day. And it's not over yet. As we've mentioned, there are still targets out there uh, who may, some may come in the portal. Some may not sign till February, but uh, all the more reason to get over to horns 24 seven, hang out with us and, uh, stay up to to speed on every single thing uh including what um you know what develops after this meeting uh between texas the coaching staff and and gary patterson uh so everybody thanks for listening and merry flipmas merry signing day and merry quinmas right we're gonna i'm gonna i'm taking that to the grave as corny as it was i'm gonna take it with me it's you know (laughs) copyright early christmas that's right early (laughs) christmas for texas fans uh thanks for listening everybody make sure that you check out the uh, flagship podcast interview with Cade brewer so that you get up to speed on he's actually been paid nil money Mm -hmm. and uh it's the same group that put together the pancake factory so uh, get the insight by watching that interview. And uh, I believe we're going to be talking. Well, should we tease that, Taylor? Or should we just say, make sure you tune in on Monday to the flagship podcast interview? I think, I think let's tease it, but we're teasing it for a reason. I think Texas fans will like to hear. Yeah. I mean, from our guest for sure. Yeah. Blake Brockermeyer, former Longhorn All American on the offensive line, will weigh in on what. Steve Sarkeesian was able to do uh, after missing on Blake Brockermeyer's two sons um, in the 2021 class. Uh, they have come back and uh, obviously loaded up on the offensive line. Blake uh, does a great job of keeping up with everything going on in recruiting in the college football world. So uh, make sure. Hey, you- to be fair, real quick, to be fair, Chip, Steve Sarkeesian and Co. did not miss out on the right. Brocker Myers. They actually signed the Brocker Myers. They just were at a different school when they signed him and Kyle Flood. <laughs> so right. so yeah. Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood are on a roll. Yeah. Because <laughs> they did sign the Brocker Myers last year at a different school. Yeah. Um right. <laughs> and of course Blake's son Luke Brocker Meyer torn ACL. We'll get an update on that as well. Um so everybody thanks for listening. Merry Christmas. And for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at Horns 24-7. And until the next episode of the Flagship Podcast, stay safe and keep the faith.